in New Orleans. They call the rising sun. Welcome to the show, Randy, BG, and Ben Boone. Great to be back with everybody. A lot to talk about today. We'll start with some T-Wolves. We'll get into a little bit of March Madness, some Vikings, NFL news, free agency stuff as well. We'll wrap the show with a quick word from Zach Briel on Gopher Hockey, heading to the Frozen Four. Let's jump right into T-Wolves, fellas. Timberwolves on a four-game winning streak, sixth in the West, I think 39-37, and 37, the overall record right now. BG, your reaction from Carl Anthony Towns coming back? Obviously, we haven't podcasted in a while, but he's been out since, I think, early November, something around the 8th, I want to say, was his last game. Back in the lineup now as of the last week, uh, but the Timberwolves kind of putting things together right now. Yeah, Cat was obviously out for, I think, 50-something games during the regular season. And we've talked about Towns a lot on this show, and we know how some of the people who talk on here feel about Towns. But it was refreshing, I'll say, to get him back. And I was actually cheering for him, which usually it's it's I find myself having a hard time doing that. But with the clear talent that Towns has, the shooting capabilities, and just that offensive scoring, as we saw in that Warriors game, um, when Kyle Anderson got that steal and kicked it out to Towns, no hesitation, three-pointer, uh, to put the Wolves up in that game and get that huge win um, in San Francisco. I'm really glad to have Towns back. I think we need him if we're going to make a uh, playoff push and win the first playoff series. Um, so I'm glad to have Towns back. It seems like he's got a little bit ways to go as far as conditioning and health. Obviously didn't play the other night against the Kings, second game on the second half of a back-to-back. But um, six games to go. Hope that he continues to play in every single game throughout the rest of the regular season. So come a couple weeks from now when it's either play-in game or hopefully the sixth seed or seventh seed or even fifth seed, um, we have a, a fully healthy crew and guys who can score from within and within the uh, outside the perimeter. So it was really encouraging the past week, like you said, a four-game win streak, but really two good wins against the Warriors and against the Kings, two playoff teams, both on the road. So the Wolves are clicking on all cylinders right now. They're seeming a lot more comfortable together, um, even with Towns back just for a game or two already, compared to how they were looking with the first 15 to 20 games when they had Towns and Gobert on the court for the first time. I think it's really been a good thing for the Wolves that Nas Reed has got a lot of minutes this year, Kyle Anderson has got a lot of minutes, and different guys play with different other teammates and kind of grow their role on the team. So when six games left, so 76 games throughout the season, that these role players have a prominent role, they have confidence, they have a lot of minutes under their belt, and you're going to need that from a playoff team. You're going to need depth. And if you've watched the T-Wolves in the last week, the last two weeks, that's exactly who the Timberwolves are right now. Nas Reed putting up 20 points a game, it seems like, every night. Being up for the Western Conference Player of the Week with Jokic, um, it's, it's just been great to see. Yeah, Nas Reed, the high scorer for the T-Wolves, three of the last five games. Started with Toronto, he had 22, then 26 against Atlanta, 23 against Golden State. Ben Boone, 
obviously, you're a big basketball fan. You watch the T-Wolves closely. You've been critical of Cat, the big meow, as we refer to him here on the podcast. Not an original name, but a name we stole from another show around the Twin Cities area. But six games left, like BG mentioned. We got Phoenix uh, starting tonight, Wednesday night. Then Friday, we had to uh, rather head back home to face L.A. Then home against Portland at Brooklyn, at San Antonio, back home at New Orleans. What's the expectation for the Wolves' last six games of this season? Where do you expect them to finish when it's all said and done? Minimum, minimum four, four out of the six they got to get. I think, uh, you know, I think they'll lose to Phoenix tomorrow night. I don't know when this is getting put out, but probably lose that one. And then I think BG and I were talking before this. Probably the one in Brooklyn because they're battling. I didn't realize this. I thought they were a little bit higher, but they're battling right now with Miami. They're even for the sixth seed. So if they want to avoid the play-in, every game they're looking at is a must-win as well. But for me, uh, kind of what I've noticed with Cat back is I won't even refer to him as the the big meow anymore. He is he is really he's playing like Big Cat, uh, and I think. With Keep with that sound bite, yeah, complaint. Time. <laughs> yeah, true. Well, if he keeps playing how he is, there won't ever go back on my word. But one thing I noticed mostly is I think those fifty plus games he was out. I don't know if this dude was on Reddit, maybe at, you know, looking at Carltown senior comments, stuff like that. But I think he realized that fans were worried about him coming back and just not gelling with the team. And when he's come back, it's not even about him, you know, needing to go score 25 points or be the star. I think he realizes, hey, maybe Ant is the alpha on this team. But even beyond that, there's so many other capable players on this team. And with Cat, I've noticed he'll he'll still do it every once in a while. But he's not complaining. He's not whining. He's not getting these stupid fouls after he misses a shot or doesn't get a call where he's following the guy 75 feet from the basket. So for me, the biggest step I've seen Cat take is just in not even like a leadership aspect, but just like a maturity aspect. And if he keeps that going, this team's going to be real tough to beat because if he has a game where he scores eight points again in the playoffs, there's so many other players to pick up the slack. And I think this team's gelling at the perfect time, just like, you know, teams in March Madness, they gel at the perfect time. That's all they need to do. So... It's interesting that they're gelling right now, and it's a completely new team from when we saw Cat and, and Gobert at the beginning of the year where Nas Reed doesn't have the role that he does right now. You have D'Lo on the team. Now you have Mike Connolly running running the offense. Um, like that's, a, that's the most shocking thing to me is that this is this is a completely new team that's been put together over the past couple of days that just coming out firing on all cylinders. Uh, who Boone, who of all if – well, let me, let me preface it first. If the playoffs ended – or if the season ended today, the the Wolves would play uh, Sacramento in the first round. Uh, do you would you like that matchup, or if you could choose a team to face uh, in the Western Conference playoffs in the first round, who who would be the the team you'd want to play the most, um, and who would who would you be most uh, scared of? Yeah, so good question. So with the way I view it, the sixth seed is <clears throat> exactly where I want. The Wolves to finish because I don't think the Kings can drop below three. I think they're totally locked in at three. Like they're multiple games up. They have to lose out. I think. Okay. Yeah, they're five games ahead. So they're uh, they're five games ahead of the Suns. Um, five wins ahead of the Suns. I don't know. I'll look how many wins this or how many games the Suns have left. Yeah. So six. They're, they're six games ahead of the Suns. So one more win and they have three locked up. 
Yep. Yeah. So six is exactly where I'd want to be because the Wolves are three and four against Sacramento this year. I don't fear them at all, especially with three, the four, three four. and four. So three, three and one. Three and one. Three and three out of four. Yeah. yeah. Three and one on the year. So I don't fear them at all, especially with Cat back. This team just gets even deeper. Um, I think the worst spot would be. God, I wouldn't want to play the Suns with Kevin Durant back. That just sounds miserable. And for, I guess, since I can remember before KG, or I guess after KG, I just want to see him get out of the first round. And I think going against Sacramento gives kind of that the best opportunity. Yeah, so I'm looking at the Suns' schedule. I have them at uh, 45 um, sorry, Andy. I got so I got the Kings at forty-five wins, thirty losses. I got the Suns at forty wins, thirty-five losses. So that puts them five games up. Yep, with you're six right. Six games to play. So you, there's a there's a scenario where I guess if the Kings lose out, and I don't know, let's see if the Kings are one of the opponents or not. So if the Kings lose out and the Suns win out, there's a scenario where they could jump, uh, but unlikely. The, the yeah. Suns the Suns have to play the Nuggets twice still. And if Minnesota um, really wants to play Sacramento, they just beat Phoenix tomorrow night. Which I mean, I, that'd be a huge win. I. I know Katie's coming back tomorrow night, but yep. he's probably on a minutes restriction, and 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 the Suns have been pretty eh without without him the past. Katie's past was weeks. an ankle, right? Just like yeah, a, rolled his ankle. God, you want to talk about someone being out of shape after just a, an ankle? Anthony Edwards gets more out of shape than anybody I've ever seen by missing a week or two. And it's just like, what is this dude's diet? What is he doing? Where Cat called him out earlier this year for like bringing like what McDonald's or Wendy's Popeyes or something. Yeah, was what Popeyes. he was always Popeyes, eating. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's got to be diet related. I mean, it, he's also a young kid too. What is he? 22, 21 still. I think twenty one. Twenty one. So I mean, there's some. You, you can get away with some of that when you're twenty one. I think it's going to be more of a concern when you get later on um, in his career when he's really the number one carrying the team on his back every night. But and I think he's different where most players would wait until they're 100% before they come back, or at least like 90% or whatever. But I feel like Ant is not that way at all. He's talked about how players shouldn't miss games and the resting. He doesn't want to do that. Before he hurt his ankles, he didn't miss a whole game this entire season. So I think, yeah, he gets a little bit out of shape after missing a few games, and he's still hurt when he's playing, um, which it, it shows. But thankfully we have Jaden McDaniels, who will put up 25 two games in a row, Nas Reed, and Kyle Anderson, who's playing like an unbelievable glue guy for our team, just so valuable for us. Really, really solid 10-deep lineup, which almost in the NBA can seem like that's too much, especially when you have you know, maybe a big three where those guys are playing a bulk of the minutes. But with the Wolves, I feel for the most part you can put just about any 10 of them on the court, and that's going to be a dangerous lineup. Yeah, Torian Prince had some good minutes after um, after that D'Lo trade. If you know, and, and I think he's cooled down mainly just because you know we're getting we're getting back to full strength. But you know, there's so many guys on this team that can that can put in good minutes, and it's gonna it's gonna pay off in the playoffs. Yeah, it certainly will. Hopefully, um, I guess the Timberwolves in the playoffs don't always mix very well. BG Boone, you guys have probably watched the team most out of, of the four of us here this season. What is the ceiling in your mind for Timberwolves in the playoffs? Can they get to a Western Conference Finals? Is that too high? Is it winning the series the main goal right now? Obviously, it's been a while since the Timberwolves have won a series. I think you got to go back to the 04, the 03-04 season. But, uh, BG, we'll start with you. What is the ceiling the ceiling on the postseason this year for the T-Wolves? Yeah, so I'd say... I'd say the goal for the team is to make it out of the first round. So obviously make the playoffs and then win the first round. You should have won the first round last year against the Grizzlies. Should have beat them 4-2. to two. 
Obviously didn't even make it past them. I think with our guys healthy, we're a better team than we were last year. Um, the ceiling, I think, is to get to the Western Conference. Um, I think we have what it takes. It's pretty interesting. With all the teams from the four seed to like the 12 seed, I think we have the tiebreaker over every single team because we have a better conference record than those, and we have the head-to-head matchup. So, I mean, we can beat anybody in the West. Uh, four through 12, we've handled. Three seed, the Kings, we've beat three out of the four games we've played them. The Grizzlies, we should have beaten them in the series this past year, and we're just becoming healthy. Like, we beat the Kings three out of four times, like I just said. None of those, I guess maybe the first one, but I think none of those we had Towns. Like, we're playing great against these Western Conference teams, and we have Towns back now, and we're all talking about it. They are playing their best basketball right now. So I really think that do, I really think that is the ceiling for them. I know it kind of sounds like a lot to say the Timberwolves in the Western Conference Finals, but they've proved it during the season that they can beat anybody that they play. They're just going to have to string together a series or two. I, I think we haven't – correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think we've played the Suns with KD yet, right? Um I, You're probably I, right. I don't, I don't. I don't think we have. Or if we we did, we weren't obviously fully healthy. So that's a matchup we haven't seen yet. But if if we are, let's say we're the sixth seed, we're probably playing the Suns in the second round. I mean, that's that's a that's a gauntlet to go through. Yeah. And one thing I wanted to say quick: we could very well end up as the fifth seed too. The Clippers are there right now, and they have two back-to-back games in Memphis against the Grizzlies. I think we're maybe you can help me out, Andy. I think we're a game and a half. Behind L.A., maybe one we're game. We're one game behind L.A., um, and then we're uh, a game and a half outside uh, away from Phoenix. But yeah, really, now with KD back for the Suns, I almost want to just not even bring them up. But L.A. Clippers without Paul George, with him obviously being injured, two back-to-back games in Memphis, That's a, it could very well swing against their favor, and the Wolves could end up on a win streak, and before we know it, end up with the fifth seed and ultimately play the Suns in the playoffs, which we probably wouldn't like. So... <clears throat> with that, if we're the six seed and we take on Sacramento as a three seed, pending that all goes well, we win. We would then play the two seed, I believe, or no. two or, or seven. We'd play the winner of three six. six plays winner of because one and one and eight would play four and five. We'd play the two seven. Yeah, uh, which okay. would be Memphis. Memphis. So you okay. would avoid Good Phoenix call. until yep. the Good Western call. Conference Finals, which would be awesome. Because Memphis, You're saying if we're the six seed, if we're the six seed, six three. And then we would play two seven, two seven which yeah. would be Golden State, Memphis, probably. I guess yeah, whoever comes out of that first Memphis. playoff yeah. or play-in. Yeah. And Golden State, I might fear more than Memphis. I don't know. Clay Thompson's looked a little slow this year, and who knows if Wiggins is coming back. Um, and Jordan Poole's so streaky. But, yeah, I mean, uh, ceiling be could be Western Conference Finals. And that's getting way ahead of ourselves because we've seen, what, two games with Cad, and who knows how this – who knows if Chris Finch is going to call a timeout when they're on a 20-0 <laughs> run getting against them. But, yeah, I, if they're the sixth seed, that's the best path to the Western Conference Finals. And Chris Finch, a guy we talked about earlier in the year when we were kind of in football season, so we didn't mention much about him, but he was getting some heat in the media, especially around the All-Star break. The T-Wolves, I think, were 31-30 and 30 at the All-Star break. They were kind of reeling. We lost a couple in a row, some bad home losses to some pretty subpar opponents. Um, he was getting a lot of heat then. I don't think he is now. Obviously, the T-Wolves are playing much better. The record isn't tremendously better. I mean, we're two games above 500 now instead of one game above 500, but the pressure seems to be a little bit less intense on Chris Finch 
Is that your read on it so far, Boone? Winning cures all, yeah. I would say. Mm-hmm. I, I He came out and said something, I think, after the Golden State game, and I think Mike Conley reiterated it. He was like, guys, we're freaking 75-plus game, games into the season, 70 games into the season. It doesn't matter if you score zero points, you score 40 points, your average isn't going to change. So at this point, just be absolutely dialed in, all in, to the team mindset, to the winning. Who gives a crap if you're going to score a bunch of points or not score? Just your only focus every game should just be winning. And I think kind of going on to Mike Conley, and I'm sure we'll touch on him, that is the most leadership you can have out of your point guard, and that's a vet right there, where D'Lo would never say a thing about that. And I think having your point guard kind of chime in on something like that, super important for these young guys too. And one thing, Randy, before I know you got something here, to chime in on that, uh, Chris Finch made a little shot at D'Lo the other day in the media. I just heard it in passing. I don't have the exact quote. I should have wrote, wrote it down or something. But uh, he said something about how on defense now we're not playing with four guys anymore. You don't have to hide the point guard anymore, yeah. which was a you don't which hide, was, which was a great shot. You don't have to, I think I think he said you don't have to hide your liability or something yeah. of that nature. And yeah, I wonder who that could be. Exactly, it was clearly about D'Lo, but it's great to have him out the door, Andy. I I think too it's important to note. You know, we're talking. Western Conference Finals, you know, six seed now, only a game, game and a half out from the four or five seed. You know, we're Dallas is out of the playoffs and the plan right now, and Dallas is two games, two games out from us. Right. Like it is, it is so close. And you know, to your point, we hold the, you know, we we hold the tiebreakers over basically everyone who's under us with our conference record, but we've still got to close out these last six games and um, you know, make sure we we. We maintain our spot as at least the sixth seed, and it's it's it'll be classic Minnesota to, you know, drop a game to like Portland or uh, we play Spurs. like San Antonio, and then have everything come down to that last game of the season against the Pelicans. Oh. That's just how it's going to work. It's how it always happens, and I'm prepared for that. Well, we could win the playing championship again, then. <laughs> Hang that banner. Pat Bev can come cry again. That was so awesome. I don't care what it was for. Oh, that was so awesome. That was great. It was so awesome. Um, that's anything? how embarrassing it is to be a Minnesota fan, yeah. that we're thinking that's awesome. Yeah, <laughs> I'll take it. It's not just another it. year not in the playoffs. Not Timberwolves fan, Minnesota fan. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Six games left of the regular season. Then we get to the playoffs, hopefully avoiding the play in this year. Wrapping up Wolves talk. Anybody got any final thoughts they want to get out on Wolves? Looks like no. Let's hop into March Madness. A insane March Madness. Um, no of the nobody in the top three lines. A one, two, or three seed getting into the final four. I don't think anybody saw that coming. Obviously, a year in college basketball where there was a lot of parity coming in. There wasn't really a uh, uh, Alabama was the number one overall seed, but it wasn't like it was a two or three horse race. Um, the analysts, the the people who watch it all year, they were saying from the get go that it, there was probably twenty or twenty five teams that could win this tournament in the Final Four. Uh, definitely shows that we got a five seed in the South region in San Diego State. We got a nine seed in the East region in FAU, a five seed in the Midwest region in Miami, and a four seed in UConn. It's safe to say that everybody, uh, everybody's bracket is busted. Did any of you get any of the Final Four teams right? I had UConn. UConn and one of them. That was yeah. it. I think that's probably the only pick that anybody had. I would be curious to see. I mean, I mean there's no way, but did 
anybody see if there was a bracket that had I, this Final Four correct? I think two, I right, I think yeah, I two, two on ESPN. Two, oh. two out of however many million. <laughs> I think I hang my hat on having FAU beat Purdue. Now I didn't have Purdue losing in the first round, but I did have them losing second round. This FAU team, I I read about, and I think my degenerate gambling bet on them a couple times, but. Yeah, I was happy to see that one. But this Final Four, God, if you pr- predicted this, you're and and, and I think <laughs> that's I think, incredible. I think yeah. the great part of this Final Four too is that it's. I mean, we're in a new stage of college athletics with NIL right now and the transfer transfer portal, and you know to see two teams from South Florida, one in Miami where they picked up, I know two, maybe three of their starters were transfers. Last season, who you know the uh, NIL gave a, a ton of money, you know, kind of. I don't want to say buying players, but you know that's what the criticism yeah. was, though. Yeah, that, that 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 that's the criticism of it. And then you have FIU, you know, only forty-five minutes, not even forty-five minutes away from University of Miami campus, where no one on that team has nil nil deals. And that's you know, the, if you look at that roster, they're start. It's not like they're a, you know, they're a mid-major team with a ton of you know senior experience, card player, or whatnot. I mean, it's a this is just your regular conference USA team that's gotten out of the right time. Um, I mean, it is complete pandemonium right now. Uh, there, there's no rhyme or reason to it right now. And FAU, though, they were ranked at some point during the season. I was reading an athletic article about them today. Um, I think they only had three losses the entire season. I think they were 31-3 and three going into the yeah, tourney. They had a 20-plus game win streak going from mid-November through January. Um, they beat the Florida Gators third game of the season. Uh, but here was an interesting quote that I saw earlier today. So they played Detroit Mercy on November the 19th. I know nothing about Detroit Mercy. Their head coach is named Mike Davis. He, for um, the reason, I guess he knew the head coach, Dusty May. So it says here that Dusty May was a manager and uh, a manager for Bob Knight's team. Somehow Mike, Mike Davis was one of the assistants on that team. Anyway, long story short, Dusty May, the head coach for FAU, good buddies with the head coach for Detroit Mercy, Mike Davis. So FAU beats Detroit Mercy on November the 19th. Mike Davis, the head coach for Detroit Mercy, goes into the FAU locker room and says to their team, you guys are super good. You guys can go to a Final Four. Oh, <laughs> and they obviously geez. end up going to a Final Four. Hmm. That's pretty crazy. Well, you know, you, you know what De- Detroit Mercy was in the news for this year, right? They had uh, their top uh, player. Uh, and Antoine Davis, who sounds right. finished, what, like four points away from breaking uh, Miravich's record for... Did they let him right. in the NIT tournament or and no? The, 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 they don't they let the, Or there was the CBI that they were... That they didn't get into that. that so day. they weren't in any because I saw some like let them in to let this kid break. Yeah, it, and they didn't put and, him in and, anything. And, and they the, were horrible. Though, yeah, no, and, they? And, and the the uh, the player was like, oh, the NCAA wants to protect Pete Maravich's record, and this is also anyway. he played Maybe. so many more games <laughs> yeah. than Pete yeah. Maravich. Yeah. Right, Pete Maravich averaged like forty points a game. This guy was like, I don't, I don't know. Maybe well, this he, is he dumb. Did, 30s, Mar- but did, did Maravich have a three point line? No, no. Wow. I mean, that's all you need to know right yeah, there. That's enough right there. Yeah. Uh, last Protect note, that record. Pistol Pete. Last note I have on FAU. They scrimmaged the Division Two national champions uh, before the season started. So something called Nova Southeastern, uh, a fairly good basketball school. I guess I'm assuming yeah, they, out in Philadelphia area or out in Pennsylvania. But anyway, they beat them by a point. And after they beat... The Division Two national champions by a point. The FAU coach Dusty May said, "We're going to be pretty good," which is a really strange reaction. But I guess he had that much respect for Nova Southeastern. 
So I don't know. Interesting nugget there on FAU, but that's all I and got. And now they're in the that. final four. Yeah. Yeah, it is pretty interesting. Wow. And just one note that I have on March Madness, we briefly went over it, but that Purdue loss, you know, mm-hmm. the second time a number one seed has lost. And the crazy thing is that Farley Dickinson didn't even win their conference tournament. It was the same situation with St. Thomas. I can't forget, or I, I do forget the, the team name that won their conference, but because they're new to D1, they didn't automatically qualify and get that automatic bid. So Farley Dickinson came in second place and was then um, put into the NCAA tournament. So that, I think that's got to be the biggest upset. Um, obviously, it's either that or Virginia, but it's just crazy that they didn't even make it out of their somewhat tiny conference, I'm sure, and then they take down the Boilermakers and 7-5 Zach Eady. It's just, it seems like every year is impossible, but then it happens year and year after each other, and you think these 12 seeds and these 13 seeds win, and there's two five seeds in the final four, and you think, okay, next year this is going to be different. It's not going to happen. It's going to go more normal, and it's just repeat, wash, and rinse, and that's what makes March Madness so good. It's who's hot at the right time, and... Of course, part of it is just luck, but it's just so fun to see. And it's one game, too. It's mm-hmm. it's not a series. It's, not it's a just, series, yeah. hey, if you don't shoot well, you're not winning. Hey, if you don't rebound better than them, hey, if you commit turnovers, if you have a player getting foul trouble, all these factors go into it. And I kind of, I don't know if you were saying you think it'll happen more, but I think there'll be more upsets like this the further we go along with the transfer portal with NIL. Yep. I think it'll just be much more common. Now, 116, maybe not, but... 215, 314, like those will be a lot more common, I think. And, well, and we can get to the we can get to the shooting in a minute, I think, because that that's something that's been uh, talked about a lot um, over the past couple weeks. Coaches, players, we're not talking about the ball the NCAA is using, but uh, on Purdue, I I think that the NCAA should impose a rule that uh, if your star player. Uh, only started playing basketball when he was what 17 18 years old and that sophomore you, year yeah that you shouldn't be allowed to play you shouldn't be allowed to be a one seed like you can't if if you're if your Nazmith player the award finalist is only been playing basketball for 3 years like that's not a team you can trust yeah. <laughs> in, in march fair enough never uh, trust Purdue in the tournament to wrap up a couple of loose ends the team that Fair Dickinson lost to in the conference tournament was Merrimack a division 2 team um, reconference, reclassified rather, into the NEC conference, whatever that is. Mm. Um, but Mary Mack was the winner of the NEC tournament. FDU, though, the runner-up, gets the bid and obviously upsetting Purdue, just the second 16 seed to beat a number one seed. And that was, what, I don't know, five, six years ago? So I think, I think it, it was, was 2018. Yeah, I was going to say. Is, is so it, five years ago. It was my junior year of college, I'm pretty sure, so 18. Um, looking over the rest of the bracket, um, we obviously had the 15-2 upset as well. Princeton taking down Arizona. Anybody have Arizona going deep? I had four or five <laughs> brackets, and the, the earliest exit I had for Arizona was Final Four. So, yeah, we were uh, kind of tuned out early on into the tournament. A 59-55 low-scoring game and a victory for Princeton. They went on to beat Missouri before falling to the high-flying team out of Creighton um, but uh, some of the best games in the tournament I know we haven't usually we try to podcast like every week of the tournaments we can get all the storylines out there's just so much to talk about uh, we're not going to obviously be able to hit it all but the Michigan State Kansas State game was probably the best game of the tournament that I saw from start to finish yeah. uh, Noel breaking the assist record in that game the point guard five foot seven point guard or five foot eight point guard for Kansas State they obviously fall in the elite eight in, in a 
awesome matchup with FAU. But that guy, that little point guard, that game against Michigan State, the no-look alley-oop at the you know, final minutes, I think it was like a 90 seconds left or something like that. He's pretending to argue with his head coach or really was arguing with his head coach is what's come out in the media in recent weeks and you know, makes eye contact with his guy or doesn't somehow has some sort of psycho or some subconscious connection and just throws a perfect oop looking the other way was an unreal March moment. But that was the best game I saw. Yeah, and so two things on that, I think. Well, one, when BG and I were watching it, they showed the replay, and I said, dude, I'm pretty sure that was a design play, the way he just snatched from the coach to the guy and threw a perfect pass. But also, with that game, that was the first overtime game of the tournament, wasn't it? Yeah, uh, I think it was, yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. Maybe it's not, but it seemed, well, it, it seemed late to have an overtime game that agreed. far into the tournament. Especially all these games are super close. Always, It's not yeah. like there's blowouts. I mean, there's two possession, one possession games, mm-hmm. and that's your first overtime game. I'll look it up right now, how many overtime games a year, but just without knowing anything yet, I would say there's at least probably one overtime game in either the round of 64 or 32 without fail every year. Yeah. That would be my guess. Yeah. yeah. Well, you looked it up. The game the, the game that caught my attention uh, was that FAU-Kansas State game. That whole second half of that game, that back and forth, felt like it was the final two minutes. Like, the way they were playing, um, you know, like, we've already talked about Noel, but, like, FAU, like there's times where FAU seemed like they were out of it, and you look at the score, and they are only down by three. Like, mm-hmm. they just gritted their way to a victory. Um, it was so impressed by that team. Yeah, another interesting game. It's not definitely not one of the best games, but Virginia, again, losing in the first round. It's just been a crazy time um, for Virginia basketball program. They win the national championship, what was that, I don't know, four years ago or six years ago? Probably the, the year before was, they got upset, right? Was that the year it, after they got upset? So they, okay, got, yeah. they get upset as a, as a one seed, first yeah. ever one seed to lose. Next year they win. So 2019 the they win. Didn't they win it at? they've won since. In Minneapolis. Right? Yep, is when yep, they won it against yep, Texas Tech. They lost the, yeah. in the first round as a one seed in 2018, 2018 and they won yep. it. Yeah. And since then, I don't think they've won a game in the first round. Maybe there's been one year, but it's just been Sounds a crazy right. roller coaster for Virginia. And you're saying you don't trust Purdue in the brackets. I don't trust Virginia. I'll never pick Virginia. And it's, it's just interesting. Each year there's always a storyline with these big programs. Uh, North Carolina, the preseason number one, or even started the season number one, didn't make March Madness. That's crazy within itself. Um, and all those big programs, Duke, Kentucky, don't make it pretty far. It's, it's, it's cool to see these teams, and it seems like every year there's at least one in at least the Elite Eight. And we're lucky to have, you know, I guess four of them in the Final Four that nobody anticipated. On a slightly more serious note, have we heard anything about Bill Self since Kansas got bounced because, like, the dude had a heart attack during the Big 12 tournament, and the university tried to, like, message it as, like, oh, like, he just had a routine, you know, routine hospital visit for a week, had two stints put in. Like, that's not a routine procedure at all. And, I mean, he's not an old guy either, but, like, he's – Bill Self is the Kansas program. I mean, he's been there for, what, 20 years? Um, you know, if, if, not, if not longer. Mm-hmm. Um, like I think that's something to look out for this off season is you know what is, you know is what, what's Kansas's coaching coach. situation going to be like? Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I haven't heard in, anything. I looked it up right now. Um, let's see. Really, nothing in the last few days 
um, on his health updates. I'll continue to look. Right, but neither, sure neither, neither. That's good news. Yeah. But they're going to suppress it either way, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. I don't right. think he coached either there because they got bounced, what, in the round of 32? To Arkansas. Yeah, no, yeah. he didn't coach I, either yeah, game. Yeah, he, he didn't coach either game. Um, no updates on him. I couldn't find overtime results either. I tr- tried to look up on the NCAA website. They don't have a very uh, easy way to find all the overtime games without combing through every game every year. But um, regardless, it seems like that's certainly uh, having only one overtime game the whole tournament so far. Is that yeah. the I case? Can't think I don't of one think there's been that. another mm-hmm. one. Maybe it's the replay. Now they can replay it and put three-tenths of a second on instead of just buzzing it and going to overtime. I don't know. Right. And speaking about replay, we should talk about the end of that game. Uh, was it San Diego State-Creighton where that tipped out of bounds at the last second? Well, they got the foul call. Oh, that was so confusing. You get the foul call, and then it tips out of bounds at, at the very last second. Um, what game was that? I can't remember. Was that, that was – that was, that was, that was, um, was it SDSU-Creighton? That was SDSU-Creighton, yeah. yeah. Where yeah. they get the foul call at the very end. Well, it makes was one of two free throws, and that tips off the hand at the end. Why can I not think of the teams that were involved? Yeah, it, with was, that? it was definitely Creighton SDSU because okay. it was yeah, SDU's up one. They do the 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 football field yep. pass, cross court pass. It's not clear who it touches off of. You think the replay is you know who's it off of? It, to me, it seemed like the ball clearly hit the court with um, with at least point two seconds remaining. And I think like to me, it seemed like the refs were like. We can't tell who touched the ball, so we're just going to call this game. <laughs> we're just going to go home. And then also I learned, uh, we learned during that game um, that at one point, I think Creighton had thrown the ball, like had a bad pass out of bounds that a player on the bench caught. And they didn't blow the play dead until the player put like like put the ball on the ground, which I had no idea was a rule. Like if you if the ball, the ball has to actually hit the court if it goes off the court before they stop the clock. That seems... Like an absurd rule. Like well, so if, if that guy were to hit it back in, it would have been in play. There's no, no, way. no, no. It, no, it, it would have been out of bounds. But the clock doesn't stop until the ball hits the ground. Oh. So, so if you're a team trying to avoid getting fouled with like five seconds, say you just want to kill clock, it, why exactly. Don't you just chuck just the ball pass, into the pass to your teammate. And, and I don't oh, know if yeah, maybe the ref th- that was how and, that doesn't. Seem oh, wait, right. also, also, no. we have to address the fact that Gene Sterator is CBS's yeah. rules analyst for, for March Madness. The guy the was an thing. NFL ref. What the hell does he know about he the was. rules in college basketball? No, I think he did. He did ref college basketball. I don't for a care while. if he ref college basketball for a while. He's an NFL. Everyone knows him as an NFL guy, and here he is trying to give us what's happening in these March Madness games. Like I they're just using him up. for everything. He popped up, and I was like, "Damn, that looks a lot like Gene." And then they, <laughs> they were like, "Now, Gene, what do you think on this play?" And I'm like, "Are you shitting me?" Yeah, talk about the best job in the world. He's just oh in the gosh. booth for all these big games. All right, he's he's he probably at home twice a game. He's probably at home. Really he worked as an NCAA ref from 1997 to 2018, just a 21 year career. What does he know? 20? Okay. What does he know? Okay. Okay. No, no. I stand correct. I Gene territory. I apologize, but also, I, I'm, I agree. Though you can't that. have the cross. So. Yeah, I know. It's it's you're crossing streams there. It's can't do it. <laughs> I'll put it on the record. I think that something is f- smells fishy with that rule that if you catch a ball and the clock doesn't stop. I mean, if somebody in the crowd catches the ball oh, and they I, just hold on no, to it. Exactly. And I think the rule was like, wrong. I don't, I don't think that's rule, but that's how it was explained by Gene Serator, which that, that's what made me doubt Gene Serator as, yeah. as, as a voice <laughs> of reason. Yeah. Also, going back to that Creighton SDSU game, I think what happened there is – 
when the guy touched the ball initially way down at the other end of the court, they didn't start the clock. Right exactly. Away. So, I, so everybody I was freaking oh, out about the game went down to zero. Uh, I got they it. talked about it in the uh, in the post game show when they go back to the studio or whatever. But so what they said is they ref on the sideline had a stopwatch, and as soon as the ball was touched with a stopwatch independent of the board, they started the clock. And by the time that hit out of bounds, it was already one point two seconds. Yeah, because it Got seemed it. like that they makes had point sense. two or point three sense. when it hit the ground, but there was yeah. definitely at least that when the guy touched it. Right. Before they started. the clock started running. But I mean, you're, when you're and looking at it in replay, it's, was on the line when he threw it anyway. That's three tenths of a second. <laughs> so. It's so hard for them to start it on time. But like when you actually slow it down and look at it on the replay, it's easy to see that yeah. it was good. But yeah. yeah, part of that. I mean, it, there was obviously no cr- clear I, um, answer who touched it last too. So I mean. I, if they would if there was a clear answer, do they do that whole stopwatch bit at the end there? I don't know. Maybe they just say, yeah, okay, it's great ball. They're point. gonna let him inbound. They take half the time to do the review. But the fact that there wasn't a clear, you know, answer who it went off of, then they decided to do the whole stop clock yeah. stopwatch thing and end the I, game. I think ever since that was at DeAndre Aiden a couple years ago for Phoenix, that last second, like there's point three seconds left on the clock. Like that that alley oop where it wasn't yeah. like he just like just taps it in. Like ever since that was at three years ago now, maybe. Like ever since that moment now, like that's like brought new life to the like the possibility of that happening. And I think everyone was just hoping for it. Like give Creighton the ball with point two seconds left. Sure. Like see if they can do that 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 tip LU play. And if they can't do it, they lose, you know, ball don't lie. Yeah. <laughs> and, and we've seen um a lot of close games in this tournament. Now I, I haven't looked at any of the numbers in terms of um, lead changes and that kind of stuff, how many lead changes there was versus previous years. But it didn't seem like, to me at least, that there was a lot of games that the team that was winning by seven or eight points ended up losing the game by four or five. I didn't see a lot of flips at the end. It's It felt like the team that was winning in the last minute ended up winning the game. It might have got down to a one- or two-point game, but there was obviously a couple of them that flipped, but it didn't seem like there was a lot of come-from-behind wins. Anybody else I, feel that way? or I don't yes. I don't feel that way since I had Texas winning the whole thing. Yeah, yeah, that <laughs> was, yeah, that was the one. Yeah, in the one. second half. That was but, the big one. But besides that, yeah, I'd say it's true. A lot of really close games, but for the most part, the teams that were in front kept the lead yeah. and kept the win, which you don't see a lot in these tournaments. At, FAU felt like come back. Going back to what I said earlier, it felt come from behind, but I mean they were like they just didn't. I feel like they didn't get a lead till like towards you know the last maybe three four minutes of the second half. But they were just staying within four or five points, and they were still being able to score. But they just couldn't get that lead, and it just seemed like it was going to be insurmountable, insurmountable for them. Yeah, in, in San Diego State too, they've had a couple of come. They came, they came from behind uh, to beat Creighton. Uh, but they also came from behind to beat Alabama. I th- I don't know if they ever came from behind against Furman or against Charleston in the first round, but they've had some come-from-behind wins too. But just as a big picture, I didn't see a lot of, at least in the round of 64, round of 32, the, when I watched the most amount of games, I didn't see a ton of come-from-behind wins um, down the last stretches. There was a couple buzzer beaters at the end, not a lot of at the actual buzzer, but a few seconds before. Um, but certainly a pretty crazy tournament. Uh, we've talked about SDSU, the defense, the come-from-behind victories. Brian Dutcher, the the, the uh, Gophers could have had him as their head coach, potentially. Uh, they canceled the interview with him while he was in the NCAA tournament coaching for SDSU. And they told him that they would give him an interview after his uh, time in the tournament was done. They called him before his, tur- his time in the tournament was done, and they said, hey, we're hiring Ben Johnson. Sweet. All right, good work, Gophers. Uh, they had the same situation we've talked about before in the podcast with Eric Musselman. They had Eric Musselman set to come in. He was jacked to come in for, I think it was 2016, something like that, when we hired Patino. 
Uh, the Gophers, I think it was Norwood Teague at the time, the athletic director, called Musselman, canceled the interview before they even sat down with him, said, hey, we're hiring Richard Pitino. Don't even come here. Did the same thing to Eric Musselman and now Brian Dutcher, the head coach for San Diego State University in the Final Four um, for his squad down there in San Diego. We've talked about SDSU. We've talked about FAU. Talked a little bit about UConn, Miami. We touched on that as well. Uh, Miami taking down Texas. I had Texas in the national championship game. That was going to be my only team, my only chance of, of making a little bit of a push up the standings in the last few weeks. Now all my teams are knocked out, uh, but Miami, Jim Laranega getting into the Final Four for the first time. A tough matchup with UConn. His second time, Jim, Jim first Laranega. Time, first time for First Miami. time for Miami, the second yep. time for for him george mason 2006 but the first time for miami first time for sdsu and fau as well in the final four in school history but a tough matchup for laranaga and yukon boone i assume you're going to be betting on yukon uh to go all the way they're going to be at least the betting favorite um they've dominated their closest game so far i believe is 15 points it was a 15 point victory over saint mary's um they obviously took care of business against um, Gonzaga this last weekend, and they destroyed Arkansas as well, a 23-point victory. Uh, but UConn rolling, is that who you're going with for the Final Four and the National Championship? Yep, so I'm going to go, just because I want to cheer for the underdog, I'm going to go FAU coming out of that side, and then UConn's going to win too. They'll take care of business. And I'm going to go UConn in a kind of boring championship by like 15 to 20. BG, what is uh, your prediction? Yeah, I'm going to go UConn winning the whole thing, and... FAU, San Diego State, I don't really have a dog in that one, but I want San Diego State to win. I just think they're an exciting team and like the coach. Um, but I really think it's crazy how well UConn is playing. I don't know if we've ever seen a March Madness team look this dominant every single game so far with their closest loss being – or closest win being 15 points. You know, you have those great teams that we've seen in the past with multiple NBA All-Stars on these college teams – I don't know if any of them has looked as dominant as UConn right now. So I'll take UConn winning it, and I think it's going to be a blowout in the championship as well. I think Miami will be the, the hardest game for them. Yeah, I um, I want FAU-Miami uh, as the championship game. Don't care who wins, but like if you look at the stories of those two programs and like FAU playing for so long in basically like a high school gym, Miami as recently as like the 90s was literally playing in a hotel ballroom <laughs> was converted converted to a you know a, a basketball court like these are like South Florida does not care about basketball at all and for for those two programs to be in the national championship game would just be hilarious so that's that's what I'm rooting for Yeah I don't know how you can pick against UConn when the dominance they've asserted so far this tournament um, they have the history I think they've won twice in, let's see, 20, probably 2014, or probably 2011 and 2015 will be my guess. I'll look it up in just a minute. Uh, but they got the history. Uh, Dan Hurley has been all over the news this week. I love what he's got going on with just his philosophy of his team. But I don't know how you can pick against UConn. I'd love to see F- FAU or SDSU win it or even Miami, but uh, it's hard to pick against UConn. So if FAU makes it, that'd be the second straight year a nine seed make unless UNC was an eight seed last year. But it'd be the second straight year where a team from the eight nine game made it to the championship. I think they were an eight seed. I think they're an eight or yeah, they're an eight seed because the only other seeds higher have been VCU, George Mason and uh 
one other in our lifetime. And Butler? Not Loyal, no, Chicago. Oh, Loyal, yeah, Loyal, Loyal Chicago, the Ramblers. Um, so they were an eight seed. Looks like UConn won in 2014, 2011, 2014, and then also 2004, 20, 1999. This year kind of reminds me of the 2011 year. I'm pretty sure that was the Kemba year yep. where they just went on a massive Big East run, won that, and then carried it through the tournament with cardiac Kemba just breaking hearts left and right. But <laughs> this team kind of reminds me of that where they got hot at the right time and kept it rolling. Were they a seven seed that year? If I they know won. they were a three seed in 2014. Yeah, I was going to say one of them, they were a three or four, and I want to say that they were, they were seven or maybe an eight. Mm. Yeah. Um, but it was a couple of good runs. We'll, we'll get the research department on it. <laughs> yeah. I've, I already <laughs> forgot what I was supposed to research the last thing on. I, I'm, <laughs> looking up, I got it, though. I'm looking up Wild Hockey. Thank you. Um, all right, anything else March Madness-wise? I don't know fellas? if any of you guys saw any of the Pittsburgh games, but they had a fellow on their team by the name of Federico, Federico, <laughs> and he is—he looked like he was from Africa. A very lengthy, tall, skinny guy. Wait, what was the name again? Federico, Federico. Oh, that sounds Italian. That sounds he, Italian so as hell. He, he, I think he lives in Finland, I believe. <laughs> Wait, what? Yeah, what is this Finnish. guy? Yeah, I think he's Finnish, but his parents or his grandparents are definitely from Africa. It looked like, um, and. He would get on the court. He didn't start for him, but he'd play a good amount as a bench player. And every single time he got off the court, he'd go straight to the bike and start biking. <laughs> and he did that in Without the play-in fail. game, and then he did that in the first round of the March Madness tournament. And I, they didn't really say he had an injury or anything like that, but they would call him in about five times a game, and then you'd see him behind the bench just biking every single time. That, that, so that was that, a little that, nugget that I enjoyed during the tourney. I, I don't know why it reminds me of that. I know... Um, I forget where I heard this, but UConn has, I think it's UConn has, has an observant Muslim on, one of their starters, I think, is an observant Muslim who, and it's Ramadan now, can't eat during the day. He mm. can't drink. He, he can't, during a timeout, get a drink of water, which is crazy to be playing <laughs> Division One college basketball. Yeah, Sonogo, they're big guys. Yeah, yeah. And yep. Did you hear the story about that, that Dan Hurley didn't know that until the night before their first whatever their first game was. I think it was of the tournament. Um, I don't have it in front of me, but I heard the, so his wife, the reason why Dan Hurley, the head coach for UConn, figured that out is his wife goes, so what are you going to do with Sanogo tomorrow that he can't <laughs> eat or drink? And this is an interview I listened to from Pardon My Take where Hurley was on on Monday. And he said, well, none of my assistants, we have athletic trainers, we have we have massage therapists, we have equipment managers, we have managers, we have assistant coaches, we have head assistant coaches, we have associate head coaches, not one of those person, uh, people wanted to tell me that Sonogo is not going to be able to eat or drink anything the day of our first March Madness, and I don't know if it was their first March Madness game, but whatever Ramadan began, um, and so he found out the day of, and I, apparently it's been no issue for Well, and, and he can he can... If and and I am I am not Muslim, so I am. Uh, I, I, if if I understand it correctly, he can eat or drink uh, before sunrise and after sundown. Correct. So now, now that the games I think are in prime time, I think he should be good to go. Yeah, yeah if but they're the drink, late game, he might. But be. here's yeah. the deal: you're in Houston, right? So that's central oh, yeah. time zone. The sun doesn't set here until. I don't know, 7 o'clock this yeah. time of year. If yeah. you get the 5 o'clock game, you're screwed. Yeah. Like You got yeah. no chance. This, but I think he's conditioned well enough now, at least, mm -hmm. where he's yeah. used to it. Um, it reminds me of, uh, God, there's a guy in the Vikings. I want to say, was it Abdullah? 
Do you remember him? Wasn't he the running back at Nebraska? Or Amir something? Abdullah. Wasn't he on the Vikes? Uh, he was on the Lions. Or maybe okay. So the Vikes had a cornerback or a running back or something. <laughs> You're just who, pulling this out no, of your ass. Who was in two days? <laughs> and during two days, he couldn't do anything. He couldn't drink or eat. So he had to like have water, and he would spit it out because he couldn't swallow water. Wow. Well, well, but well, when Boone, these sign-ons don't line up because Ramadan's always in March or April, and the teams are never practicing. No, I don't know. If it, I don't know if it's Ramadan. <laughs> okay, and just some other. Do they have another? I don't know. I, I remember I the story. Know. I will Maybe find the story. All right, all right. Like next time, plans. next time Boone is on, and in one year from now, his, his annual appearance. And <laughs> but I will I'm say kidding. for UConn, so it's their big guy, right? Sonogo. I don't know the backup like name, name for UConn, 21. but they have an extreme luxury of putting their backup big guy in, who is also phenomenal. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, where he could—he's probably one of the best players in March Madness, let alone one of the, the best big men. So it's—they've got a good fallback option yeah. if they need one. I—I I, I know you're trying to wrap up March Madness, but um, just real quick, I've, I'm obliged to put it in. Uh, Iowa, South Carolina, women's Final Four. Friday night, 7.30 Central Time, um, will be a fantastic game. Aaliyah Boston, Caitlin Clark, Caitlin Clark putting dropping a, a triple-double on the Elite Eight, just been on an absolute tear uh, all tournament. Uh, most exciting player in college basketball, in my mind, not biased at all. Um, and I think she had the first triple-double ever in March Madness Women's Tournament. Uh, first 40-point triple-double men's or women's. And I uh, believe is also the first thirty yeah. point too, right? First thirty point in the so women's. So wasn't the first triple double. No. It wasn't the first triple oh, okay. double, yeah. but At the least first forty point, point gotcha. triple gotcha. double. Yeah, and four, four, yeah. I do need to say this just so I do not sound like an <laughs> idiot. You can type in this on Google. So wait, 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 wait. what did you type in on Google? What did you type in? Viking Ramadan, no water. <laughs> no water. <laughs> so it says you. this was from August 9th of two thousand ten. Viking safety Hussein Abdullah awaits Ramadan fast, and it says. As a practicing Muslim, Abdullah will not eat or drink at all during daylight hours for the 30-day period that begins Wednesday. When was that from? What year? August 9, 2010. What do you think is more impressive, being able to remember Hussein Abdullah in that stint in 2010 or identifying Nick Muse at a blackjack table at Canterbury? <laughs> oh, Probably God. the fifth-string tight end. <laughs> my, par- my parents never got me tested for anything, but they're both equally impressive, I would say. Okay. <laughs> There you Savant. go. Never changed, Boone. <laughs> I would say. Uh, well, let's wrap up the NCAA tournament. Uh, UConn in Miami and SDSU and FAU. Those are the two matchups with the trip to the national championship on the line. Those games on Saturday and the national championship on Monday. Uh, no Zach Briel, so we're going to sweep through NHL and college hockey real quick. Not that we usually talk about those anyway, but there's something to talk about in each of them. We'll wrap the show with some NFL free agency talkers um, in just a moment. For the while, first place in the Central Division at the moment. Um, a point better than the Colorado Avalanche. 7-1-2 and two in the last 10 games without Kirill the Thrill Kaprizov, who is... Injured at the moment after a dirty hit. Um, He was kind of like sat on top of, uh, had some sort of lower body injury, potentially a growing strain, maybe something with the knee. The way I saw the video looked like somewhat of a growing issue um, for Carl Anthony Towns, or excuse me, for Kirill Kaprizov. 7-1-2, though, in the last 10 games. Two straight uh, wins for the Wild without Kirill. The goaltending has been outstanding. Matt Boldy with his second hat trick. 
of his young career just a couple of days ago for the Wild um, with a 5-1 victory over the Seattle Kraken at home. Eight games left for the Wild, trying to stay on top of the Central Division, the Colorado Avalanche, so 9-1 and in their last 10 games. They're rolling right now. going to be tough for the Wild. They're going to have to win probably seven or six, maybe six of their last eight, but probably seven of their last eight to stay atop the Central. It'd be just the second Central Division Championship for the Wild since the franchise began in the year 2000. So when they talk to Dean Evason, Bill Guerin, the general manager of the Wild, nobody's super pumped about winning the Central. They want to win a Stanley Cup, but it would be certainly something that uh, would be good for the franchise to hang it on their banner in Excel Energy Center. But that's your Wild update. Uh, first in the Central, 95 points, just a point better than the Colorado Avalanche with eight games to go in the regular season before playoffs start. And for Gopher Hockey, Zach Briel sent me a little statement I can read here in just a second, fellas. He unable to join tonight. Is he coming home, BG? Should we he get was a- here this past weekend. Um, he's back in lacrosse. He'll be here for the Easter weekend, and then about mid-June he'll be uh, full-time Minnesotan again. Nice. Uh, he sent me a text today <laughs> saying, uh, unfortunately, I'm getting home around 9 tonight, and then I'm flying onto my bed like in the movies and going to sleep. So I guess he meant <laughs> home in lacrosse, not home in Minnesota. Yep. Uh, anyway, here's his statement. Gophers are in the Frozen Four for the 23rd time in team history, playing Boston University. The Terriers, I believe, is their mascot. That's not a part of the statement. Back to the statement, <laughs> who is also in their 23rd time. Okay, that's an interesting nugget there. So the uh, the team from BU. Wait a minute. Wait, they're not the Boston Terriers. They I can't think, be. I think they are. That's a dog breed. Yeah. yeah. What's wrong the, with that? That's they're actually the Boston Terriers. That's sick. I think so. I don't that's, know. Look that's it up awesome. on your phone. That's you got awesome. a cellular device over there. I'm reading. I'm reading the statement. I was with you when you said it. I think it is the BU Terriers or something like that. Um, yeah, Terriers. Yep. Wow. So BU and the Gophers both in their 23rd matchup. Uh, excuse me, their 23rd. Um, appearance in the Frozen Four. Interesting nugget there from Z Briel. Um, he says we beat something called Kansas. Kansas. It, it's <laughs> it's C-A-N-I-S-I-U-S. Oh, sure. Yeah. You know that team? It there. Yeah. How do you say it? I would say Kansas. Kansas and St. Cloud State. Um, to get there, I, I did hear about the St. Cloud State game. A bunch of Minnesota teams were in that side of the bracket. Um, from what I've been three in the region, yep. From what I've been told, uh, kind of a long break. Next game not till Thursday, April sixth. That's next Thursday. Um, in Tampa, isn't it? For I believe the Golden Gophers. Yeah, Somewhere I believe it's Florida, down south. Yeah, yeah. Uh, for the Frozen Four, that'd be sweet though. If they won Frozen Four. Uh, but yeah, that's talking. That's talking <laughs> hockey, fellas. Talking uh, college hockey. We sound informed. Let's <laughs> talk got, something we, we my do know about. The podcast. That's yeah, police crazy. Uh, <laughs> let's talk some NFL news. Uh, Boone, you've probably been all over the free agency news. We've talked a little bit about it. Vikings related stuff. Um, there hasn't really. We we talked. I think our last podcast was right around the time we were about to release um, a lot of our free agents and stuff. I think we predicted most of them there was maybe some surprises but your reaction so far to offseason moves from the vikings yeah I, I really like the davenport sign yeah i think uh it was what just one year 13 mil but definitely get him in here i think he'll be he'll be a force on defense and then the the murphy i think 
Kwesi is kind of showing sort of a trend with who he gets. He's kind of getting these younger guys who maybe haven't fully panned. And Murphy's pretty damn. Both of them are pretty good. But haven't, I guess, lived up to potential. And he's, I don't know if you'd say buying low, but he's giving them shorter contracts to see if they can work out. And so I like what he's doing. I'm excited to see. There's a lot of buzz about this Levis kid from Kentucky yeah. about moving up for him. I'm not fully sold on it, I guess, but he also did have like half his roster available to him this year. They lost a bunch of guys, and then he was throwing. Dude, I saw some stat or something. He threw like 50% of his passes behind the line of scrimmage. Like basically oh, really? screen He passes. didn't have an offensive line. Yeah. yeah. Like, no they, like they, yeah, they were so depleted, and then they also got injured. So it's, it's hard to say, but I I really like the, the Byron Murphy and the Davenport signing, but um, – We'll see. I mean, they're they're giving out some money, which is cool. But with the draft, they don't have much. Ca- I think they have what four picks, five picks at most. It'll be interesting if they're in a trade down or a trade up. The whole I, I want to hear you guys take being linked to Lamar. I guess I saw something that yeah, said where they did have, that come from? They have the second that came out of nowhere. Second or third best odds to land Lamar over the Ravens keeping Lamar. Yeah, and I did see that, and then you go to another site where they have the odds, and the Vikings aren't even on the top 10. Which I don't think the money can work out with that. Like, I just don't, I don't think with the Kirk Cousins contract and the amount of dead money on it, like, I just don't think financially, I don't know how you do the Lamar deal without having to cut a bunch of guys. I don't know if I like them for the team. Injury-prone running first quarterback who can't throw the ball to Justin I mean, Jefferson. He, no, he hasn't, he hasn't had a receiver. Now. He hasn't had a receiver, though, in this past couple of years. He has in, Andrews, in and that's yeah, it. That's, I mean, and, and he, and he, I, I feel like we haven't seen Lamar Jackson as like a throwing quarterback yet, just like we haven't seen Justin Fields as a throwing quarterback yet. And, I mean, his ceiling, I think, he's already an NFL MVP. His mm-hmm. ceiling is incredible. I think that, but not going any higher. It's only getting lower. The, in, the, the injury stuff is obviously... Obviously, big concern. Yeah, it's tough to pay a guy who plays quarterback like that all guaranteed money, which is clearly what he wants. Yeah. Um, if we got Lamar, I would definitely be excited because he's such a generational talent. But we're going to have the same issues we have now with paying so many guys on the offensive side where we don't have a good defense, and you're only as good as your defense. And if your defense is one of the worst three defenses in the league, you see what happens with the Vikings in the past couple of years. We do all that we can, score 30 points a game on defense, and we lose games when it matters because our defense can't get a stop. You're going to pay Lamar over $40 million a year, which is more than you're paying Kirk, and you're just going to not have that money to go around towards the defensive side. So that's why I kind of lead, not necessarily trading up to get the Kentucky quarterback, but if we see a quarterback that we want to trade up to, I know Richardson has been getting some buzz. Not sure where he's going to land, the Florida quarterback. Um, I'm certainly not opposed to that. Uh, It sounds like the Vikings are kind of clear that they didn't want to extend Kirk three years and they wanted to ride out his last year of the contract. So you're going to need a plan once Kirk is 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 gone, and I don't think it's Nick Mullins being our starting quarterback. So there's got to be some plan, and I, I hope Quezzy and KOC have a plan, and maybe that involves uh, draft day in April. Nothing nothing more dangerous than a quarterback in a contract here. Agreed. Yeah. I'd like to see what Kirk does this year. And I mean, he has all the weapons. It looks like they're keeping Cook at this point, right? It There's, certainly does. So you have Cook, you have JJ. Is KJ's probably going to be the number two. Yep. I would think. I mean, if. Unless we draft unless, somebody who can immediately replace him. Or, but yes. Or if you don't consider Hawk your number two. Exactly. But a lot of weapons on offense and. It, it'll be exciting to see. It's just one of those. You always get your hopes up. But uh, to your defensive point, don't you think 
in theory, a, a lot of that will hopefully get fixed by Flores being the DC. You we'll would see. hope. That's what you bring them in to do. I mean, you hope. It's not going to be a first-year thing, especially with cutting so many veteran guys, and it's not like we have these guys on big contracts. It's going to be approve yourself and see if you're going to play in our in our system. Is Flores I don't think we're going to be wor- – I'm not saying we're going to be worse since that's going to be hard to do. I hope that we're going to be better because we have Flores. I think that's an automatic improve compared to Donatel, but we're a young defense now. A lot of our guy, a lot of our guys are not proven, and we still have some contract stuff to work out with Zadarius and others. Is Flores a three-four guy or four-three? Because I don't think the Neal should be on the team if we're well, in a three-four defense. He he said that he's going to run predominantly three-four, what we've been running, but it's going to look a lot different. Um, God, I and, hope so. And I hope it does too. I mean, last year we were hyped about the three-four, at least for just a, a some sort of a scheme change. I mean, we were so bad the last couple of years with Mike Zimmer. We were excited about the scheme change. Obviously, it didn't pan out very well. I think that was more of a product of the lack of aggressiveness of the Ed Donatel defense. I hope Brian Flores and he's the exact opposite hire um, of an Ed Donatel defense, a defense that wants to keep everything in front. Or the Flores defense wants to blitz as much as anybody, and they've had uh, he had tremendous success in Miami with his defenses uh, down there before that that job ended for him. But we'll see what's going to happen. I mean, they're getting younger, they're getting faster. They've signed like Boone alluded to a bunch of guys on their second contracts for one, two year deals, proven contracts, guys who haven't lived up to their potential, to their hype, uh, which is exciting. I mean, those are guys who didn't work out with their first team. Let's give them a new look in a new franchise and one of the best franchises in all the NFL to play in, regardless of whether you look at of, of lack of um, championship wins. Obviously, the Vikings haven't won an NFL championship, a Super Bowl, but winning percentage-wise, they're the third highest winning percentage franchise of all time. When you look at the anonymous polls that every single player in the NFL front offices, they all fill out. Who do they want to play for? Well, it happens that the Vikings tend to be one of the top five teams, and everybody's responses, you can go look those up for yourself. Uh, the Packers, uh, not so high up there on the list there, Randy. But the Vikings, one of the best franchises to play for, and, and I, I think there's no reason with the young talent we have, the the willingness of the ownership group and the young coaching staff we have in place right now while we can't make a run. I think the Lions will probably be the favorite to win the division um, from a betting standpoint. And once again this year, BG, with you as well, I will be riding hard on the Vikings to win the NFC North. How far they go in the playoffs? They might be underdogs. It might be the Lions as a favorite. That's what I said. I think the Lions will be when it's all said. And I'm sure they are because the season win totals have come out for early betting. The Vikings right now are at eight. Eight even? Eight even. Remember last year when it was eight even? And I think I single-handedly brought that up (laughs) to like ten and a half just by how much I kept hammering those lines. Now, the thing about next year is we are going to have a much more difficult schedule as the winners of the NFC North. you got to play the winners of all the other um, divisions that you play against. So the schedule is going to be a much more difficult the win total probably won't get the thirteen. I I like over eight though. For yeah, s- for sure. Yeah, I like to go. You're making money. Yeah, yeah I like what, that for sure. So just back to the draft real quick. Stick and pick. Who I don't know if you would have an opinion. Stick and pick. Who would be your take at twenty three or twenty four? Whatever they're at. We're twenty three. Um, well, it's, it's I don't know. It's, I think the better question is what position 
at 23? Because like it's just such a crapshoot. Yeah, to say, like, it's hard available. to say. Like, like what what, yeah. what position a, do you do you take at that? I go defense. I mean, they have they brought in a bunch of corners. We have like seven corners on our team, but I won't hate drafting a corner. I don't know. Go get no more from, Duke from Shelley, S- though. Go get somebody from the SEC. Yeah. Which was unfortunate. Yeah. We got rid of Duke and yeah. Patrick Peterson. But I think I think both of those signings, the Patrick Peterson one, maybe more so than the Duke Shelley, but we're trying to get younger. We're trying to get faster. We're not trying to have a 37-year-old cornerback who, yes, is very heady and can play in a certain situation, but the situation we're going to play in is more of a St. Thomas. We're going to blitz you three out of the four downs that you're going to have the ball. We want, we want our safeties and our corners to be one-on-one on an island making plays. We want the other seven guys to go attack the football, and we're going to make that quarterback make a quick decision. Duke Shelley, as well as Patrick Peterson, they don't fit in those situations. Now, Duke, on a small sample size this last year, was really good. He was our best defensive pass coverage cornerback. And granted, it was only like an eight-game sample size. I just don't think that holds over the course of two or three years. It's a Case Keenum situation in my mind. Magic in a bottle for a season. Great. Do you take that? Do you celebrate it? Of course you do. Do you re-sign that guy to a three- or four-year deal? No, you don't because it's not going to happen again. That's my take on Duke Shelley. So I would like to see him go defense. I think they probably trade the pick either going up and going to get a quarterback of somebody to replace Kirk Cousins next season, or I think they trade back and just load up on defense would, picks in the middle rounds. Would you trade up though? You have no. You have what four picks in the draft? You always got future capital, Randy, and you got players. You got players. How, how do you know that Dalvin Cook wouldn't be involved in some sort of? Now his value isn't as high because you're probably gonna have to give money to get him. But yeah. you could trade other players too. Uh, there's I, all kinds of future in, value that trades in, in my look at what the Rams did in my, that didn't work out very in well my, I, I shouldn't say unbiased because obviously I'm a Packer fan. Um, but in my mind with this few picks of anything, you trade back to pick up like maybe an extra pick, right? Like maybe like in a third round or something like depending on who's available and, you know, cause I feel like where you're at 23, you can have some teams if they have someone maybe on their board that's still available um, you know, maybe he's dropping a little bit. They're starting to get a little antsy of, oh, like you know, this is like this is our guy. We need to trade up to get this guy. Um, that's that. That's my take for the Vikings. Is if anything, you trade back, pick mm-hmm. up a couple picks. Yeah, I'm not opposed to doing that. I think it's obviously going to depend on who's available. Um, right away when the question was asked, I was thinking cornerback. Um, I I'd be happy if if we took a cornerback there. It seems like there's going to be a couple good cornerbacks available in the late 20s or the mid-20s in the first round. Um, And with the Brian Flores defense, you're going to need a big cornerback who's aggressive. Um, Caleb Evans has played great. Um, Other guys on our team. Booth. Booth has played great. Lewis Seen, we're getting him back. We'll see what they can do. But none of those guys are really proven. Obviously, a rookie isn't going to be proven either. But, I mean, there's really good talent to be had. Um, in this draft in the first round for defensive backs, specifically cornerbacks. But with saying that, I just pulled up a mock draft from ESPN that was released like four hours ago, and they ha- they do have us taking a cornerback from Penn State at 23, but both the 22nd pick and the 21st pick are both wide receivers, and I would not be opposed to drafting another wide receiver, um, especially if it's Smith and Jigba. From Ohio yeah, State, Jackson. That's who they have going at twenty first in this, and then they have Zay Flowers from Boston College going twenty second, who's just going to be a Percy Harvin esque wide receiver in the NFL. It seems like, and a great special teams player. Um, so again, it'll depend on who's available, but I like those three names. 
um, I guess those two names in that position. Um, three names that the though, Vikings pick around Jackson Smith and Jake. Exactly. That's three names yes. there, brother. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So we'll see. I guess I'm not locked into a, a certain player at yeah. that pick. It's it's always just so tough until you're actually there. Yeah. I think we'll do a full breakdown before the NFL draft, hopefully of the Vikings roster moves, that kind of stuff. Obviously, just a uh, a look over some of the moves. We haven't talked about all of them. There's a bunch of um, big time cuts, trades, stuff they made. Not trades yet, but but cuts and signings and that kind of stuff that we can break down more fully uh, before the NFL draft. And I, for, I was just thinking about now. Sorry, is Murphy a cornerback or a safety? Corner. Yep. Okay, so that'll be one proven cornerback that's big, physical. Yep. It'll just be nice to have depth in yep. um, his and defense. And did you mention a Caleb Evans coming back as well? Yep. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm I'm very high on him. He went out with a concussion last season after a couple of good starts, but uh, a rookie last season had a lot of success. Very physical corner has the right size. Uh, and he wasn't a super high draft pick. I don't even know if he was a draft pick now that I say that. I think he was fifth or sixth round, but he could have been a free agent pickup. Uh, but anyway, Caleb Evans, I was very excited about him last year. Decided to see him go down with um, some concussion issues early in the season. Came back, got knocked out then, I think, around week 10 or 11. Um, I'm, I'm excited for him to come back. Obviously, the first-round pick from last year, Lewis Seen, um, tore up his ankle, I believe it was, in London. Um, missing the rest of the season. Was it an ankle? Uh, something, something in leg. the leg. Yeah. Um, I want to say it was an ankle, it was a, but I think it was a compound fracture. compound fracture in his leg. Uh, but that happened out in London. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we didn't see a lot of him either. Louis, uh, Andrew Booth Jr. coming back as well. So you got some young talent from this last draft that we haven't seen. It would be great to compound that with some more defensive talent in the first few rounds of this year. Um, but we'll see what the Vikings want to do. Let's wrap the show up in like three or four minutes, fellas, because we're running long here. Uh, but we got to talk about Aaron Rodgers. Hopefully, and nothing has been signed yet because the Packers apparently won't let him go, or I don't know what's no, it's, going on. It's but Rodgers to the Jets. Go the, ahead. The the it seems like the hold up now is the Jets want compensation for 2024 if he retires after 2023, which to me makes no sense. Like you know, like you know what you're getting with Aaron Rodgers, right? You're getting kind of a crazy guy who does some drugs. He likes to spend time in the dark. Like you're getting a wild card. Like that's, you can't, there's no insurance policy that we can, we can offer you. Um, And I think too, from whatever the Packers are fine. Like they're in no rush. Like they feel like if, if they're going to, if the highest they're getting is a second round pick this year, that they're fine waiting till after this draft, after the draft. And, making it like a second and third round pick next year, just because like Rogers isn't coming back to the Packers at this point. And if the jets want to have Rogers, cause it sounds like he'd go to some OTAs and for sure training camp, right. You know, with new teammates, whatnot, getting that chemistry, he can't do anything with the team until he's traded. So the Packers are and and if, if you're the jets at this point, like the pressure is on you to get that trade done, right? Well, Rogers um, kind of screwed him. I mean, like he's been doing to the Packers all these years. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, but Rogers coming out and saying, "Hey, yeah. I want to go to the Jets." Doesn't make any sense. Like, why would he do that? Like he screws himself over, right? Yeah, like it's exactly it is. And and then like the whole like he's saying he doesn't want to have a wish list of players, but the Jets go out and sign Alan Lazard, which is I mean he's and Randall Cobb. Uh, not Randall Cobb yet, but okay. uh, wouldn't be surprised if they did. Apparently Wasn't there wants, another one too? That they said? He wants, Lewis, he wants Odell. He wants Odell, um, like all that stuff. And and I think Lazard is, you know, Lazard might be one of, if not the best, uh, run-blocking 
wide receiver in in the NFL. Like he's like he's just a gritty player who can do a whole lot on on an offense. That's you know the Packers knew that they you know I think he got signed for what fifteen million dollars a year, which is pretty high for for a wide receiver. Um, I, I think, wasn't it four for forty four? I think. Is maybe look, what it's maybe. for. I'll look it up, right? But um, yeah, I mean, a lot of money. He's a good. Yeah, I mean, he's player. Like he, he, he's a great guy, and especially having a guy that you know has chemistry with, um, you know, with Rogers. But I mean, the, the trade's gonna get done. I, I think it gets done before. I think it gets done before the draft. I think it's um, four year forty four. Yeah. Very nice. Cool. Four, four for 44. Yeah. He's uh, low-key one of my favorite receivers in the NFL, and I can only admit that now. I can only admit it now. You sly. You sly. You can cheer for him. He's a state boy. No, this is – okay, so this is the understanding in, in Iowa sports. Iowa State is a little brother to Iowa, and once their guys make it to the NFL, especially if they play for the Packers, we root for them. They root for him. Um, but if they make – like Brees Hall – Running back for the Jets, he's sick. Yeah. Um, you know, hopefully he comes back healthy 100% this year. But anyway, back to Rodgers. Al Lazard went to Iowa State. Yeah. I did not know that. Yeah, him and uh, it was like, – that, that, it's, it's fun to look at it now because that offense at Iowa State had Brees Hall, uh, Al Lazard, Purdy. and Brock Purdy. Yeah. Um, wow, yeah. Which is – and cool. they, they had a, a tight end too who I think is – I forget the name. He's on an NFL roster mm. somewhere. They were top 10 that year, right? They played in, in the COVID year. They played in the Big Twelve championship game and lost to Oklahoma. As well, I think. just name their whole roster. Who's their long snapper for that <laughs> year? <laughs> too. Um, uh, but yes. Anyway, Aaron Rodgers. You said three to four minutes. We might be running long, but Aaron Rodgers is not going to be a Green Bay Packer. Good riddance. Get the hell out of Green Bay. We'll retire your number. You will you retire with us as Jordan a Packer. Love time, but baby. we just it is you know Rodgers is all about embracing love and love. People and love this. Except and love your that. family. Yeah, except your yeah. family. But the, the the Green Bay organization is now embracing Jordan Love, and every Packer fan I know has been so done with Rodgers for the past for the past six months. And I think the the Packer fans' mentality, if or at least the Packer fans I know, our mentality is: if Jordan Love is great, awesome. You know, we're three for three over past three starting quarterbacks. If he sucks, we tank the shit out of this year. And who you got at the top of the uh, the the draft board next year? You've got Drake May, you've got Caleb Williams, you've got a couple picks from the Jets that you can use if you're if you're not a top three pick to move up and, and trade them. Like yeah. I I feel like that's where the Packers mindset at right now is. This is a prove it year for Jordan Love. If it doesn't work out, we sell the farm, go up and grab one of those guys next year. Which couple thoughts on that? All right, one Jordan Love. Okay, yeah, he's you drafted him three years ago. Right, yeah. <clears throat> he sat three years behind Aaron Rodgers, so now he gets his one year to play, uh, and it's that's a lot of pressure on him. If it if that really is the mindset of the Packers front office, and they convey that to him, all right, you got one year, buddy. Good luck. Uh, go do it with this. It's a contract Pretty year. terrible it, team. It, it, it's, uh, it's quite literally a contract. My you. second thought on that is, my goodness, what could they? If you guys do end up getting rid of Jordan Love, what could have it had been? If you didn't draft Jordan Love, if you gave Rodgers what he wanted, which was an offensive weapon three years ago when that team was pretty dang good going to NFC titles year after year, not really year after year, but one out of every three years they go to an NFC title. (laughs) Imagine if you had put a guy like, uh, you know, not Justin Jefferson, but a guy like Justin Jefferson on that roster. Maybe they could have been Super Bowl champions, but the arrogance, the arrogance of the Packers front office to slight Aaron Rodgers, who probably deserved it. I'm sure he did. I'm sure he was a (laughs) jackass to work with. I'm sure he sucked. I'm sure 
shirt. You hated hearing him from him every day. Hey, draft me a wide receiver. Draft me a tight end. Draft me a running back. Maybe just draft me a center. Draft me somebody to help this offense. And what do they do? They draft a quarterback to sit behind Aaron Rodgers, who may only play one year. That's hysterical. I, I... It's it would you know what it is it is a little bit hysterical. That's hysterical. As, as That's I, hysterical. I, I that, that one incident ended up driving as, Aaron Rodgers out of town, as which we, is hilarious. I will, as I've mentioned many times on this podcast, the reason that we did not make it to the Super Bowl over the past three years was not because of our offense, was because of our defense. Okay, so um, they drafted a defensive I, player. And I am I've been doing some research, and I'd love to do a pod after Rodgers is traded on the last three years of Matt LaFleur, Aaron Rodgers, and the Aaron Rodgers offense. Yeah, I would um, love to see I, it. Yeah, I, no, I, uh, maybe even a little break right pod. Hear, yeah, like maybe just a little solo pot of myself yeah. would just kind of just spit into the world of, <laughs> yeah. you know, of, of, of I, what You give me questions, I'll ask you. I'll, I'll host yeah. for you. <laughs> yeah, we'll but I, I think Packer fans, Packer fans, our expectations for this upcoming season are, you know, what's up, Jordan Love? Yeah. Like, and that's, and it's, if we win 10 games and, you know, make the playoffs awesome. So if we win four games and shit the bed, awesome. But yeah. Well, there you have it. it is. Screw you, Aaron Rodgers. Go to hell. We'll do a deep dive on NFL free agency, on hopefully a Randy research paper, basically, into uh, Rodgers, LaFleur, and Jordan Love last three years in Green Bay. Um, we'll hopefully hear all of that before the NFL draft. Uh, enjoy March Madness this weekend. Enjoy the Final Four. Uh, we're going to try to do a Masters preview as well. That'll be the next episode. Then before the NFL draft, we'll do a deep dive into Vikings and maybe the Packers with Randy. We will see you all then. There is a house in New Orleans. They call the rising sun.
children In the house of the rising sun.